And so what we'll do here is, is a little recap. And uh, then we're going to move right there into verse 4, which I, I think it's probably for, for New Testament believers. And I think especially for the day we're living in, perhaps one of the most important exhortations that we get from the Lord Jesus here in the book of Revelation and, in my opinion, the New Testament, um, especially, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but in light of what we read there in chapter 1 in Revelation, which says, uh, blessed is the person who reads and hears and keeps the words of this prophecy. And it's interesting how a lot of people get intimidated by Revelation, you know, oh, I don't want to read that, I don't understand that, there's nothing there for me, this, that, and the other, you know what, uh, there are certain takes on this that are just just way out of left field, and some people get intimidated. But in this book, again, it says, "Blessed are those who who read and listen." So that means you're not, you know, just reading in one ear and out the other, but you're reading and and taking it in and considering and then keeping. And the keeping part has to do with the exhortations in here, because boy, there's th- this is a book that you know it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. We're learning more about who Jesus Christ is. And we're learning about the second coming of Jesus Christ, the day of the Lord, including the rapture of the church, the great tribulation, the literal physical second coming. I'm really looking forward here uh, shortly down the road and talking about the millennial reign of Christ. And I want to go into great detail about that and look at other scriptures that talk about that thousand year period of, of, you know, the Lord reigning here on earth and the new heaven and new earth. So many exciting things. Uh, And it's a revelation of that. And it's also, though, it's, it's a revelation of instruction for us right now because there's so much here. It's revealing Christ. It's revealing things to come. But there's so much for us right here in the here and now. And I would say one of the greatest uh, exhortations that we get, and I think it's really something that probably covers uh, everything that the Lord in many ways tells those churches, the, the churches, the seven letters to the churches there, in chapters two and three, it's right here in verse four, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, unless you receive her plagues. And we're gonna talk about that tonight. You know what, being in the world, but not of the world. And it's something that, you know, it comes up often, but I wanna go into some detail about that and kind of look at some of these words here in this exhortation. And then beautifully, we have a great example of this found in the book of Daniel, which we went through uh, this, this past year. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were literally in Babylon when Israel, Judah went into captivity. And they were in the world, very much in the world. In fact, they were uh, government officials. You don't get more in than that. And they were fully in in the affairs and the workings and so forth in a very pagan culture, a culture very much like this end times Babylonian system that's all around us. But boy, as much as they were in it, they were not of it. And it's so, so, so clear. And so we're going to look at them to get some real practical, you know, instruction and helps for us of how to be in the world, but not of the world. And I think it's a phrase we use oftentimes, well, he's in the world, but not of the world. Or, you know, uh, I remember the clothing line that was real popular for a while, uh, not of this world. I remember I had, I, had, I had all the not of the world shirts and whatnot. I thought, I thought they did a great job. I was bummed when they, I think they sold their business or something uh, or it went out of business for whatever reason. But uh, a lot of people say that, oh, not of this world. And, and we throw that out there, but are we? Are we in the world and not of the world? And hopefully, hopefully, you know, we're, we're trending in the right direction at the minimum where, again, we're engaged in the world. We're not called to go run from the world. We're called to be in it, but not to be of it. I think that should be something we're trending more in. And sadly, I'm kind of seeing opposite trends of people being less and less and less in the world, and we're just gonna go away over here. Well, that we've been called to be in it. And other trends of, of you know being more and more and more of it. And hopefully it's a thing we're trending, we're in it, and... We're trending where we're not of it. And that's a real challenge because sometimes the more that you're in it, the more tempted you are to be of it, right? (laughs) And so we need the Lord's help in it. And I think we're gonna get that tonight in our text here. So 
coming up to this, and, and I think most of you guys have been with us, so I'll try to be fairly brief in the recap, though I've been guilty of, of going longer in the recap than perhaps I should, because I just keep, I'll keep thinking about this stuff and get new thoughts and so forth, because we kind of scratch the surface when we go through here. But remember there back in chapter 16, again, we, we saw those seven bowls of wrath, and in them, the wrath of God is complete during the great tribulation. There's still the wrath, the eternal wrath of God for those that die in their sins, which everything we read about on earth, when you read about the wrath of God, and there's a lot of wrath of God poured out various times in Scripture. It's the anger of God. It's judgment. And generally, it comes upon individuals and cultures when they've gone so far down the line where they have just rejected God's grace and mercy over and over and over and over again. I mean, there's really nowhere in the scripture where wrath is poured out without that being stocked up in heaven because we know God is gracious and God is merciful and he's merciful to all, he really is. I mean, the fact that the sun came up today in this world that we're living in right now, boy, that's the mercy of God. But we've looked at so many scriptures that speak of storing up wrath in the day of judgment. And it's really a thing that the more you reject the mercy of God, or you don't allow the mercy of God to tenderize your heart, that his goodness would lead you to repentance. And the less thankful people are, the more they harden their heart to God and just take for granted the mercy of God. And we talked about it a few times here in our study in Revelation. Now, you know, uh, and, and we looked at in one of the plagues where it talks about, you know, the air being attacked by one of those bowls of wrath, how it refers to the breath of man and how we have muscles in our body that we don't control that, that contract our lungs. I mean, you can hold your breath and whatnot, but you know what, you, you don't have to think about breathing. God causes, you know, those muscles to contract and our heart to beat. And there's so many of these, these muscles that just work and it's God. And talked about the fact that, you know, there'll be individuals taking muscles they can control and, you know, cursing God and whatnot. And while they're doing it, God is allowing their heart to beat and their blood to pump. And, you know, all those systems that we have in our body that are so many of them even now are so mysterious of how all of this works. But you talk about the mercy of God, the great mercy of God. And yet again, the more you reject that, the more you push that away. And the more that a culture does that, and then cultures that not only push away the grace of God, but then start celebrating sin and witness what you do, you're exchanging that mercy for the wrath of God. And again, we see there in Revelation 17 that wrath being poured out, but it's something that doesn't just happen. And we see a culture right now, a world right now, that just more and more outside of remnants of people. And there is, I believe, a growing remnant of people that are serious about the Lord and know the Lord. And that's an exciting thing. Uh, it's exciting to be part of that. And I, I think it's an exciting time to be a follower of Christ and to be in a local body of believers that say, hey, we want to serve God. We want to get in the word of God. We want to grow. We're, we, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe by God's grace, he's, he's doing you know, that here in our fellowship. And I rejoice in that. But you see a culture more and more again just wanting to cleanse itself of the things of God and it, it's, it's stocking up that wrath. And I think even as a culture, as a country right now, you know, people say, oh, we're gonna get judged in a way. I think a lot of our culture is getting judged. There's a judgment that's already on us because again, if you're gonna shun the ways and the ordinances of God, even just the natural ordinances that have been given by God, you wanna begin to shun them you know, it, it's going to have a ramification. There, there's going to be times when, you know, the old phrase, the chickens come home to roost because God's ways are always the best way. And, and you see, you know, what culture's just imploding because of rejection of wanting to do things God's way and wanting to do them your own way. I think one thing that's obviously huge in the news right now is, is the abortion issue, which again, scripturally, life begins at conception. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, and and it just some of the stuff out there is just so ugly and, and sad. And, you know, that's something that needs to be addressed biblically, not only in that life begins at, at conception 
uh, the sanctity of life that should be honored, as well as in the Lord Jesus Christ who forgives and washes and restores. I always say it when we come to that subject matter. Satan is a destroyer. He kills. God is a restorer that brings life and brings it abundantly. But you don't have to look very far to see the ramifications of the mercy of God giving the ability to procreate. And you look at a nation like maybe China who had a one-child policy for so many years. And again, beyond one child, you were forced to abort those other children. And the bulk of the babies that were aborted, they weren't males, they were females. And again, I always just shake my head, women's rights, abortion. And yet in the history of abortion, they say, I've heard it on, you know, it's been reported that a that three-quarters of those abortions are females. So what are those women's rights? That's my question. What are those, those women's rights? And then you see that country right now imploding because guess what? Their boys don't have husbands. <laughs> or don't, don't have, well, they might have husbands now. They don't have wives. They don't, they don't have wives. And it's having a huge effect. It's having a huge effect on that country. And it's having one on our, our country too because when you take 60 million people out of, the, out of the workforce and you hear it all the time, eventually social security is gonna, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna implode and it's gonna, it's gonna crash. And I'll tell you, this bubble, this, this big old bubble of economy, if it ever does crash, and I think it's against the devil's best interest for it to crash because when those things happen, people have a tendency to grope after God. So maybe the Lord's just going to pop it with a bubble to bring a revival. I don't know. But it might crash before then. And, oh, no, what are we going to do? That's the product of 60 million abortions. Because you don't got a workforce now to pay your retirement. It always happens that way. Nations always implode that way. When, they, when God's grace and mercy are taken for granted. Because even God's instruction is merciful. The family unit and marriage between a man and a woman, it's merciful. Look, when those things are done according to God's ordinances, people and households and nations, they flourish. But when they want to shun that, to go say, we're going to do what's right in our own eyes, we're going to follow, again, the dictates of our wicked hearts. Again, the more you reject that mercy, wrath gets stacked up. And so you read about the wrath of God throughout the scriptures the anger of God, but God is so long-suffering and so merciful. People read, oh, Sodom, oh, God's so horrible. Those people had witnesses for hundreds of years to repent and follow God. The king of Sodom met face-to-face with Melchizedek. Jesus is of the line of Melchizedek, the Melchizedek priesthood. He went out where Abraham took communion with Melchizedek, pointing him to Jesus Christ after Abraham and 350 men rescued him and five other kings and he still thumbed his nose to the Lord Jesus Christ and said we're going back to sodomy and doing what we want probably one of the greatest pictures of mercy shown in the Bible they shunned it and eventually the wrath of God came and that wrath of God is being built up in a world that is shunning God's mercy and God's grace hardening their hearts say we got a better way to do this than God we got a better plan they don't They don't have a better plan. God's plan is the right way according to his scripture. So again, there in chapter 16, that wrath is completed. And we see now in 17, 18, and 19 of Revelation, we see the details of what's going on while that wrath is being poured out in the second half of the tribulation. In chapter 17, again, we talked about it, four studies on it, this religious, ecumenical, one world religion that's rising up right now, in the first half of the tribulation, partners with the Antichrist. The Antichrist uses these false religions coming together, which will even include apostate Christianity. And he will use that as a platform to promote himself. And they will use the beast as something to promote themselves in this day of celebrity religion. They're gonna ride that beast. But we saw, again, in the halfway mark of that tribulation, Things are going to change. The Antichrist will declare himself to be God. He'll perform a sacrifice in the temple, which will be erected again there in Israel. And it will be abominable. 
The Jews will see that covenant's broken. They'll flee. He'll try to destroy them. God will preserve a third and they will be born again. We're gonna talk about that Sunday. Romans 11, you don't wanna miss that. It is so detailed and so prophetic of you know, what God's gonna do. It's very exciting. But we also know that at that point, things are gonna move from this ecumenical you know, a kumbaya, we're all here together worshiping a generic God to you worship Satan, you pledge allegiance to the, to the beast, you worship the image of the beast and take three sixes or off with your head. And we see that the beast is gonna trample that harlot. And it's just Satan using, again, individuals. That's how sin always works. Satan offers pleasure, but it'll always come back to destroy you because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then here in Revelation 18, again, chapter 17, we see the fall of this religion, this Babylonian religion, which started way back in Genesis 11. Women were in rebellion. They were scattered, and they just took their false occultic religions out to the four corners of the earth. It comes to a head. It falls. And then here in chapter 18, we talk about the ecumenical one world economy that the world's rapidly headed towards. We got in a lot of detail about that last week. Next week, Lord willing, we'll get into more detail about the economy. And I'll repeat what I said before. It goes into great detail of things they exchange and trade and so forth uh, with you know the, the most valuable being listed. And it talks about gold and silver, precious metals and those types of things. And it goes all the way down. And there at the bottom, the least valuable are the souls and the bodies of people. And look at, that's the world that we're living in right now, where human trafficking is just exploding, where even these high ups, they're getting so bold to even say stuff like, you know, people don't even have a free will to make choices. They're, they're just like cattle. Uh, they're getting that bold to say those things, saying things like, you know, we just, we just, we want them just to be caught up in their social media and their fast food and just, you know, we're, we're looking at them just like, like herds of sheep and cattle. They're not even worth anything. And it, again, it's just arrogant men really deifying themselves, you know, as they thinking they're above the average man or whatever. And yet they're going to find out one day that's, that's not the case at all. And sadly, and we'll talk more about it, Lord willing, next week. Again, just the, the, such, a, such a low view of life, such a low view where, I mean, did you ever even think you'd see the day where our state and some others are considering the, the AB2223, where, again, if a, if a mother takes its baby's life uh, within seven days, and it always starts with the toe in the door, then it gets broadened. They're talking like a year. And that mother terminates her child's life out of the womb there's not even an investigation. And if there is a police investigation, that mother can sue whatever uh, police agency or law enforcement agency is investigating it. I mean, come and think about that. I hope we're not so callous that we wouldn't just go, what in the world's going on? You know, this is, this is obvi- obviously there's accidents and tragedies and so forth. You know what? And, and if that's the case, then that, investigation should be welcome but to have such a low view on life that we're going to deem that not a life first of all again it started you know in 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 the womb and then even life in the womb there's only a handful of countries that you can even do a a third trimester abortion there's only a handful in the in the world Uh, north korea china u.s and i think israel are the four that i know of there there may be more most of them are like no that that's even too much for us and so even remember that we love our country and look at, I'm a patriot and whatnot, but at the same time, this country's got a lot of deep issues and a very, very low view of life. I mean, we're in a category with China where they're locking people in Shanghai right now and not allowing them to leave their homes and people are jumping out of the window because they're starving to death. And North Korea, I mean, which is insane. And we're in this area, probably the worst category in the world to be in because we're talking about snuffing out life. I mean, this is, this is I throw this out there so you understand the, the, where we are. They understand, again, what we're reading about here. This isn't far off. It's not like they get in the tribulation and they start doing that. They're already doing that in the lead up of these things. And then you get, again, getting the human traffic and the abusing of, abuse of kids and so forth. It's just disgusting. And 
What disgusts me is how much of that has even gotten into the church. And we know for years all the stuff with Roman Catholicism and priests and so forth, and now much of what you call evangelical Christianity, it seems like there, there's a, 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 like a molester behind every corner almost. And it's one of the reasons why we go to extreme lengths to do background checks that, that we do, you know, at a kid's check thing and so forth. When we had Resurrection Sunday, you know, people have to check their kid in and check their kid out. And a few people got angry. That's my kid. Like, I don't know if it's your kid, bro. Show me your ticket. Then you can get your kid. How dare you? We're protecting you. We're protecting you. Can't you understand that? And most people get it and appreciate it. But again, it, you have to do those things. And even with that, again, so, so oftentimes people, they're, they're unsuspecting and so forth. And I think it's important as a church, we have watchful eyes on those areas, amen? And that we're growing in that, not walking around trying to be suspicious of everybody. And listen, there's some people that you might even see them on some, you know, a list somewhere that when we know that, we, we deal with that. There are certain protocols because God's grace is sufficient. And I've seen people come out of every lifestyle out there to the glory of God Almighty. And God is good, but it's just the time we're living in. And so that's a picture of, of, of this economic Babylon. Let's read the first three verses. We'll touch on it a little bit, what we talked about, and then focus here on verse four. It says, after those things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. So the things he saw was religious Babylon trampling, you know, getting trampled by the beast. And then he sees again another angel. We know that he illuminates the earth because he's near the Lord. Um, And we talked about us being the light of the world. And how's that happen? By being near to the Lord. And he cried out with a loud voice. And this really indicates that the judgments of God these judgments that are coming on the world, it's not gonna be off in some corner somewhere. It's gonna be up front in everyone's face. Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen. I believe that's referring to religious Babylon that's fallen, economic Babylon that's falling here. And then in chapter 19, you see the government of Babylon fall, the military side of it fall at the literal second coming of the Lord. And has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison of every foul spirit, and a cage for every clean and hated bird. And we talked about how today there's a handful, the Bible speaks of a handful of fallen angels that are in hell right now. And we've seen in Revelation that many of them will be loosed and God will even use them a part of, as part of the judgment uh, in Revelation, almost giving men over to what they want. You want to worship these demons? They'll say, we're going to let these ones out too. But for the most part, devils, they're not bound in hell right now. They're running amok and having a great influence because one thing about foul spirits and unclean spirits, again, what brings them in, what gets them attached in people's life, it's unclean living. It's unchecked living. You want to just go and run amok and live in sin? that you're inviting that in 100%. There's boundaries that God gives to us and so forth. And if you want to go and cross those boundaries, you want to live different lifestyles and so forth. You want to live a lifestyle of sexual sin and fornication. The Bible talks about those people you're coming together with and you are coming together and, and, and forming a, 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 not just a physical, but a spiritual connection. And it opens the door up to all the spirits that they have with them and who they've been connected with and so forth. We talk about sexually transmitted disease. This is sexually transmitted demons. And listen, you better believe, you better believe that that is 100% legitimate. It is. And it's not just even in just the literal physical that also happens through pornography and you know digital dial-ups dial and all that kind of stuff as well. You're engaging in activity that is to be reserved between a man and woman and holy matrimony. But you want to walk in that, those devils are going to pounce on it. Again, you, you want to be an unchecked gossip, those devils, they're going to pounce on that. You want to practice drugs, alcohol, and so forth, the devil's going to pounce on that. And there's so many walking around willfully walking in those things, even many that name the name of Christ, that take the grace of God, 
which saves us and Lord wants it to be a divine influence that we'd abound in the Lord and apart from iniquity and at the minimum be wrestling and grappling with these things. That's a far different place than just embracing them and using God's gift or God's grace as a license to sin. Let me tell you, if you're a believer doing that, God is gonna take that sin and use it to chasten you and chasten you hard if you're a believer. And that's a good thing because if you're not a believer and that doesn't come, that's, that's all the more trouble. But God will intervene with his saints and so forth. When this falls though, we see that Babylon, and again, we talked about what Babylon is, what it could be and so forth. Because we're here at this end of this age, we'll read about the devil being bound up for a thousand years in the next chapter. But it seems here that many of these foul spirits are bound up with the fall of economic Babylon. And it might coincide with the literal second coming. I don't know the exact timing of it, but I know this, these demons right now, they run amok and they're looking to steal, kill and destroy. But the time is coming when they are going to be put down in the name of Jesus. And that will be a glorious, glorious day. Notice verse three, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And again, we talked about this last week, how, you know, we, we, we got a world that just teaches, you know, that happiness and fulfillment and joy is gonna be found by what you have, by what you own, and you know what, stimulating your senses and living for luxury and living for pleasures. I mean, that, that's preached in most places, put out there, and where it's even crept into the church where Jesus is the God that he's just come to give you all that stuff. And we talked about it last week, how we are a blessed people. I mean, look around, we are a blessed people. Indeed, we are. And there's no shame in having blessings provided we don't worship the blessings over the blesser. And provided we're thankful for what we have and we say, yes, Lord, I, I thank you for blessing me with these things and bringing provision for my home and family and even enjoyments. But these things don't become before you. And I wanna use these things as a platform to share the Lord Jesus. Like we talked about Sunday, your job and you know what, your involvement, the places where you're at, those aren't there just for you to earn an income or you know, be involved in a hobby or a sport or coaching or whatever it is. Those are platforms where God has put you at the minimum to be praying for those people you're around. I hope at the minimum we're praying for those people as well as to be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ to them. Hopefully in our actions, first and foremost, and then through sharing the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, and as those opportunities arise or the Lord prompts us just to say, hey, it's time to, it's time to stir the conversation, you know, led by the Spirit in those things. And so, but it's a world, again, just driven by idols. Because this is, it's modern idolatry. You know, we read in the Old Testament about literal idols and the worship of them. And there's a lot of that nowadays too. But it's just taking the pursuit of luxury and pleasure and stuff and making it your God. And how sad if you have a God that you have to carry and you have to maintain, uh, a God that is made by the hands of men versus God Almighty who will maintain you and carry you and provide for you and go before you. I choose option A, the Lord Jesus Christ, over this nonsense. Help us, Lord, to abound in that. So right here in verse four, excuse me, and we're gonna get a whole lot more about this in verse five through the end of the chapter, but it's, it's almost as if we get here to verse three and I just get a sense that it's so important that before we go any far, farther, the voice of the Lord intervenes in this. And I think it intervenes here because what's being said here, if you guys wanna turn to verse four there in your notes, what's being said there. Yes, it's being said to tribulation saints and it's being said as well to Israel in that second half of the tribulation who, who, who again, break away from the Antichrist. You know, get out of this. Uh, Jesus talks about it in Matthew 24 when you see the abomination of desolation. You know, head for the hills. Get out. You don't wanna stick around. We don't got time to go into that tonight. We've gone through it multiple times. It's being said to them, no doubt, 
But hear this. This is being said to us. This is being said to us right now, this evening, where we are at another voice from heaven. And we know this is the voice of the Lord by what said here. Come out of her, my people. I don't belong to no angel. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our God and we are his people. Amen. Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues. The word come out here, it means depart, escape, to get out. To share means to partake, to fellowship, to share company, or to communicate with. So again, this is the voice of the Lord. And I'll go back to what we started with here in Revelation 1. Blessed are those who read and hear and keep the words of this prophecy. There is a blessing found, a huge blessing in heeding this call here to be in a place of trending, coming out of the world while being in the world. Do we have an ear to hear tonight? Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And why do we hear the voice of the Lord? It's simple, he's our shepherd. If he's our Lord, he is our shepherd. We listen to him for direction, for guidance, for leading. Do you hear this this night that your shepherd is the good shepherd? You need to know that. And you need to know in reading this here is not the good shepherd calling you out of a green pasture into a pasture, you know, of, 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 of uh, you know what, briars and weeds and thorns and thistles and everything else. It's, it's not that. He's saying, come out of this dry, pre- this dry field that's about to be lit on fire and absolutely come into this green pasture. Come out of her, my people. Again, you can know who your shepherd is by who you listen to and follow. There's a lot of people that say, oh, Jesus is my Lord, but my question is, Jesus, your shepherd? Because how many say he's my Lord, but they don't listen to him? They don't follow him. They read something like this and like, oh man, you know what? I, I love that Jesus died for me and so forth. Oh, but come on, this is, you're gonna ruin all my good time, Lord. Life's not gonna found coming out of this stuff. It's gonna be found by embracing it. It's all over social media. Lord, don't you have Facebook? You know, what's wrong with you here? But it's just not the case. Look at, he is our Lord and we follow after him. I saw this saying, it was on social media. I, I think it was something people were pasting out there um, and, and it was being put out there. It was resurrection weekend and someone put, just so you know, uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus also died for us people that you know, uh, never go to church and we thank God once a month, maybe when we remember and blah, 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 blah. And it was kind of thrown out there like, oh, you religious people, how dare you think you're better than us because you go to church and you thank God every day. He died for us too. And I thought, yeah, he died for you, but look at if you only thank him once a month and you don't want to heed his commands, he died for you, but is he your Lord? Is he your shepherd? Because if you really believe he died for your sin, you thank him once a month? Jesus died for your sins. This is God Almighty. And he did die for your sins. He died for the sins of the world. But if you really believe that, I would think that would revolutionize your life and recognize I want to hear his voice and follow him. Let's make sure that he's not just our Lord with a little L, but with a capital L. And he is our shepherd. Jesus Christ said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Again, each of us, who are we following? Who do we listen to? Who do we take counsel from? Do we take counsel from the Lord Jesus Christ or do we follow the dictates of our heart or do we surround ourselves with counselors that tell us what we wanna hear? And you'll always find those counselors out there. Don't be one of those counselors. Don't be, one of, don't be the go-to guy or the go-to gal who you know the brother or sister in Christ flees to because you know you're gonna get compromised counsel or they're gonna comfort you in counsel that is opposite of the counsel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure that's not you. And if it is you, you need to get the fear of God in you because you're gonna give an account for that. We're gonna give an account for the counsel that we give. We wanna be followers of the Lord. Again, 
We want to hear his voice and we want to follow after him. Hebrews 3, 7. Again, in hearing the voice of the Lord today, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you'll hear his voice, do we hear his voice tonight? What's he saying tonight in our Bible study? He's saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, unless you receive of her plagues. Today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. Again, they don't want to listen to the voice of God. They want to follow their heart. Disney has it wrong, guys. Follow your heart. Follow the heart of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked, hear this, above all things. Above all things. And they have not known my ways. I swore on my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. We want to hear his voice and heed his voice. He's not just some random shepherd. He is the good shepherd. Look, at he loves the sheep so much, he laid down his life for us. Took it back up again so we could absolutely be led into those green pastures, even in the midst of the evil day and of great trials and so forth. Now, again, this call isn't just for those tribulation saints. It's not just converted Israel, you know, there in the tribulation. This is for us today. And maybe you're saying, oh, Steve, come on, we're back here in Revelation 18. You're taking out of context. It's just for them. We, we can just, you know, Jesus, my Lord, I do what I want. And again, we're saved by grace through faith. There's no doubt about it. But if you're really saved, Jesus is going to go hunt down his sheep. He is. And that, that, oh, I love the idea. I go astray and the Lord just hunts me down. You need to know when you go astray, there's going to be some chastening involved. There's going to be some correction involved. There's going to be you know, some redirection involved if he is your Lord. It's one of the ways we know that we are legitimate children. I say it all the time. I'm going to discipline my children. You can discipline your own children. And I know I only got one child left now under 18 years old. I feel real old. But when they were littler, like, I'm going to light you up if you get out of line. Your own kid, look at you need to take care of that. You, that ain't my kid. I ain't laying hands on that kid or whatever. I might need to tell you, hey, come, you know, get your kid off the church roof or whatever, something that's been said before. But they know, my, they know they're my kids because I'm going to discipline. I'm going to do it in love, but I'm doing it looking out for them. So the Lord's going to intervene. The Lord's going to act. But again, this isn't just for them because look there in your notes, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. This isn't the first time that the Lord says this in scripture. It's said throughout it because he loves his sheep. He says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. To be yoked up, it's two animals in, in, a, in a type of harness where they would plow a field. Unequally yoked, it's a, it's a bull with a sheep. That could be problematic. You're not gonna get very far. You're not going to till anything. Don't be yoked up with unbelievers. Don't, don't be, again, yoked up with, with individuals in life that you're partnering with in areas that, that are of great importance, that there's a completely different mindset, especially, again, the, the first application would be in marriage and dating and so forth. I've seen many a person just not heed counsel and dating an unbeliever, then getting engaged, or someone were like, well, I think they're saved. I'm not really sure. They never talk about Jesus. Yeah, they said they are, but that's not there. Uh, you're signing up for a world of hurt. You really are. I mean, to be yoked up with someone that, that doesn't love Jesus. And I've said this before, and it might not be true in every case, so I want to be careful with it. But, you know, the, the, the thought is, who dates people who don't love Jesus? People who don't love Jesus. Or they're not loving Jesus. Because think about it, if Jesus is number one and you're loving him, you're gonna date someone that doesn't, wanna, doesn't love Jesus? Oh, that's harsh, Steve. No, that's true counsel that absolutely helps people in life. And that's offensive to some. I've had people walk out, oh, young man, how dare you say that? Love is love, blah, blah, blah. I've had more than one come back four or five years later, I should have listened to you. They're like, no, you should listen to the word because I showed you in scripture. I brought you here to scripture. 
quickly here. It says, for what fellowship, and listen to these words, yoke, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial or Satan? And what part has the believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I'll be their God and these shall be my people. Notice verse 17. Therefore come out from among them and be separate or set apart, says the Lord. Do not touch what's unclean. And look at the promise that comes with this. And I'll receive you and I'll be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. And I really believe here, this is, they're, they're, this is an instruction showing us, look at, he's my Lord, and when I want to follow him, when I want to walk with him, there's an intimacy of a father walking with a, a, the perfect loving father walking with a son or a daughter. And when you say, no, I'm going to be yoked up with all this other stuff. Think of that Laodicean church, Jesus on the outside knocking, wanting in. That was because of their choosing. choosing. Uh, saying, we're going to go eat yoked up in the world in this church. We're going to look just like the world and so we're going to push you out. We need God in our church. We need God in our lives. We need God going before us. There's so many pitfalls out there and so many things. I'm so stupid, make so many mistakes. Oh, Lord God, get hold of my heart and all of it. Let me cleave to you and at least have the confidence to come what may. God's going before me. God's going before me. Man, don't, don't be in that place where it's like, well, he's my Lord, but I don't walk with my father. He's my Lord, but I don't follow the shepherd. Because I'll tell you those other voices saying, do it our way, do it the world's way, pursue it the world's way. Life is not found in that call and that instruction. Life is found following the Lord. Absolutely. Sometimes it's the more difficult road, but it's always the better road. It absolutely is. Now, again, this is not a call to be a hermit. This is not a call to get all your prepper supplies and drop out of society. In fact, let me tell you tonight, the best way to prep for today, tomorrow, and however long is before us and whatever will come, the best way to prep is to be a lover of Jesus Christ. To say, come what may, the Lord is my refuge. I trust in him. Not to say there isn't a practical side. You know what, if, if you have access to have this, that, and the other, that's fine. Make sure, though, it's not just about you, but even saying, I'll have a ministry if it all falls apart. I'll use this for a ministry. There was a widow in the Old Testament who had enough flour to make a cake for her and her son, and then she said, we're gonna go die. Literally, that's, we're gonna eat this and go die. And Elijah said, hey, you need to feed me enough oil and flour, and she fed him, and then it just kept lasting and lasting and lasting and lasting and lasting, because, listen, it's better to give than receive. You never outgive the Lord. But the best way to prep is to abound in the Lord Jesus Christ. To be in that place where you're like, I see the faithfulness of God and I don't fear even if they strip everything away, the Lord is my refuge and God will go before me. The best place to be. And that might happen and God will go before us. I say it all the time, if the day comes where they strip us of this facility, these three acres that are completely paid off, still getting built out, they come and strip us of all of it. It'd probably be when the last nail's driven. You know, the remodel's done. <laughs> oh, you gotta quit preaching like that or we're gonna take the building. Well, where's the keys? Here you go. Or it's just like we're forcing you off. I, I guarantee you in that day, there, there will be an extra measure of outpouring of Holy Spirit like we haven't seen because our faith will be stretched to new limits. Not saying I want that day to come. I want my faith to be stretched in new limits. You know what? With, with, you know, just living peaceably like we're called to pray for. But I do know this, whatever comes, God's gonna provide. He just is. So again, it's not called to be a hermit. And we don't want, we want to be in that place where we're trending of coming out from the world, the influences of the world, the thinking of the world, the way the world approaches things. And we're bold about it. We're abounding in the way things God's. But, but again, we're still called to be in it. And I'm gonna look at verses right here that talk about us being in the world because we're here to shine for Jesus Christ. 
And so we, wanna, we, we don't want to be in this place where it's like, oh, I'm just going to get out of the world. I'm gonna, you know, again, we want to be led by the Lord. And you might be thinking you're running from the world. You're going right, to run right in. You're going to do a Jonah. Make sure you're not following the lead of Jonah. On one of the days for VBS, I'm teaching on Jonah. I've been reading that and reading. And I'm like, dude, you should have heeded the Lord from the first place. But notice here, Matthew 5, uh, 16. Let your light so shine before men, they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You can't shine if you're hiding under a bushel. Look, at, just so you know, this isn't the, the kingdom of God is within us. This ain't the kingdom of God. We're here to live for the kingdom of God and appoint people to the kingdom of God, to be around people. John 17, 14, I have given them your word. The world has hated them because they're not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Notice what Jesus said. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, that you should keep them from the evil one. And they are not of the world as I am not of the world. So he says, I'm calling you to be in the world to let your light shine. But the Lord's praying that we be kept from the evil one. So it's coming out while staying in. In Luke 19, it's the parable of the minas, the talents given, the owner goes away, comes back to collect to see how they've invested. But before he goes, in verse 13, he says, do business till I come. That's a call to us. The Lord's coming. It's a parable that talks about the coming of Christ. We are called to be doing business in this world, shining for the Lord Jesus Christ. And there in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, he says not to keep company with immoral people, but he goes on and saying, I'm not talking about immoral people in the world, but immoral people in the church. There's immoral people all around us. And again, we are here to shine, to point them to Jesus Christ while not participating in their lifestyle and not being influenced by their doctrines and their philosophies and so forth. Jesus was a man of the people. You know, we hear people, oh, yeah, Jesus died with sinners. And they, they think Jesus was there partying, you know, whatnot, you know, getting high. And, oh, you know, no, he went down to them and he preached repentance to them. He didn't participate in what they did. He went there, though, amongst them because those Pharisees have misrepresented Christ, saying we're the only elect, we're the only saved ones. And he went down amongst them to preach the cross to them that they could repent, that they could get born again. But again, I, it, it, oftentimes, again, we want to be led by the Lord, and I'm not trying to broad brush all of this stuff because I know this idea of fleeing and running, it's popular today. You better be led by the Lord because, again, I ain't here to build a little kingdom. I'm here to be about the business of the Lord. And the Lord's calling me to California. Maybe that day will change one day, but, but this is where I'm called right now. And I ain't going to be sitting here and going, oh, what they're going to pass next. I got to get out. I won't be led by the Lord because I'm called here to shine for California where I was born and lived most of my life. I want to see this place saved. And I can't do that if I go move off somewhere. Now, again, if you're led, if you're led to go, then God's sending you to where you're going. And the first call better be to represent God and to evangelize wherever you're going. Not, oh, I'm going to go find where no one's around. I'm almost going to sit there till Jesus comes. <laughs> Honey, go get some water out of the creek over there. I'm just going to sit here. How's the ammo supply looking? You know, are we ready to defend ourselves? I'm a big proponent of the Second Amendment, but that better not come ahead of following the Lord Jesus Christ. God told Israel it was abomination that they trusted in their swords versus trusting in the Lord. First and foremost, you understand what I'm saying here? And again, a lot of people are moving and so forth. And look, at I get being led by the Lord. And I think little kids, and you're like, man, I, I just want to get them out. I get that. I'm not, I'm not trying to broad brush, but again, are you going to serve God and build the kingdom of God and be amongst the people where you're going to? Because if that's not there and it's just about me, myself, and I, and we're going to get over here and we're going to have all our walls and we're going to hide up and every once in a while we'll just peek over and come back down. I don't see that in the word of God. I don't see that in the scriptures at all. I don't see it there. Some people say, well, I don't want to come out. Well, he says, come out lest you share in her sins and you share in receiving her plagues. So you don't share in their sins. And again, sin is something that so often tastes sweet in the mouth, but turns into gravel in the gut. 
Well, I don't want to heed the voice of the shepherd. I want to do as I will. I want to fall. Thank you for saving me, Lord, but I'll be over here just doing my own thing and so forth. I don't heed the voice of the shepherd. I want to share in this. Isn't this so good? And so much of Christianity is being presented that way today. We're going to reconstruct Christianity and we're going to push out all the holiness and call the depart from sins that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross for and the wrath of the Father was poured out on him. But we think these things are good. So let's manipulate the scripture just to do as we want. Look, at I, I've, I live, I've lived that lifestyle. There ain't nothing there. There ain't anything there except death and destruction and heartache and pain and suffering and so forth. Yes, there's seasons where the sin's enjoyable and you got extra endorphins and euphoria and whatnot, but I'll tell you all that is is the devil's creeping in, just deceiving you, getting ready to try to destroy you. That is the truth of the matter, 100%. So it's sharing in the sins, but then what's worth sharing in her plagues. Because again, it ends in death. And if you're a believer, it ends in a hard trip to the woodshed if you are really born again. And if you're an unbeliever, it ends in hell. So how do we come out? I got seven things here in Daniel's life. I thought I'd, take more, I'd have more time to preach this. I don't wanna come back to it next week, so I'm gonna speed preach through this. We know these young men, they were taken to the land of Shinar. It was Babylon led by Nebuchadnezzar, who was a type of antichrist until he got saved after being out in the field for seven years, losing his mind. Seven things in these guys' lives. Number one, they knew they belonged to God. They knew God was their God and they followed God. Six times Daniel in this book refers to God as my God. He is my God. There in Daniel 3.17, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego referred to God as our God. And that meant something. They knew the weakness of God was greater than the strength of men. They knew the foolishness of God was greater than the most wise and the highest wisdom of men. And God has no weaknesses and God has no foolishness. They knew that God was worthy to be trusted, that if God was before them, who could be against them? They knew God called the shots. You need to know God calls the shots tonight. In my opinion, there's too many prophecy teachers giving too many elites too much credit. God may be using them to usher in the very end right now, but dude, Klaus Schwab is not Jesus Christ. Oh, Klaus Schwab said by 230, 2030, you'll owe nothing and be happy. Dude, you ain't the Lord. Now, God may allow that plan to unfold. I don't, I don't know, but that ain't God. I know that. And I ain't gonna bow down and walk in fear. Oh, what did Klaus Schwab say today? And that's the name probably most of you guys are familiar with because it's so prominent. But dude, I ain't gonna give you that kind of authority. I serve my God and my God can strike you down dead right now. So you better repent, son. Know that your God is in control and everything. That he is your God. Is he your God tonight? If you called upon Christ, then he is your God. Walk in that confidence. My God's going before me wherever we go. God is going before us. Again, he is our God. And we can say he is my God. And I belong to him. Secondly, these guys had a purpose to serve God and shun sin. To, this is how to, to come out of her. Know that he is your God. I don't bow down knee to this. I, I don't get, I, I don't get to be influenced by God haters. Oh, but it's funny though. I don't care, dude. You ain't gonna influence me. I serve my God. Secondly, listen, how do we, how do we come out? We purpose in our heart to serve him ahead of time. We know there in Daniel 1, I got verses Daniel purposed in his heart not to eat of the king's delicacies, which went against the Levitical law. So before the meal was even rolled out, he said, I'm gonna serve God. He said, I ain't eating this. You can test me for 10 days. You can compare me to these other guys, how we look and so forth, but I am not participating. And listen, there are so many temptations out there. If you're like, well, we'll play it by ear, you're probably gonna, get, gonna give in. You need to ahead of time say, I serve the Lord. I purpose in my heart. I serve God. I ain't taking this bait. And if I do, God, forgive me, wash me. Let me get away from it. 
But I tell you, you roll up out in this world, you're just like, we'll see, we'll see how it unfolds here. I may, I may not. Look at the flesh. You make a way for the flesh, the flesh is gonna take over. You wanna go out in this world? You need to go out every day. I purpose in my heart, I'm serving God. You know what, I'm, I'm online. I already know ahead of time, I ain't looking at any porn. You go on there, well, we'll see what happens. You're gonna be looking at that stuff. You purpose in your heart, I ain't going there. You purpose in your heart, oh, so-and-so is calling. Okay, I, I ain't gonna get in those conversations that we're like, ooh, you know, the flesh rises up. Opportunity to gossip, you're gonna be doing that. You purpose in your heart, I wanna follow God. I, he is my God, I wanna serve him, I wanna follow him. God, help me, go before me. Number three, they didn't bow down to the false religions and teachings of the day, and there's so much of that in Christianum. It's where Nebuchadnezzar sets up that statue, calls them all to bow down, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't, and I love it. They get snitched on, and they, they were said, these men uh, don't regard your teaching. They don't regard you as God. They don't regard that. And again, he said, if you don't bow down, you're gonna get thrown in the fire. They're like, we don't regard it. And then it's interesting in verse 18, Nebuchadnezzar's giving them another chance. And, and they said, let it be known to you. We don't serve your gods. We serve the God of heaven. They weren't secret about it. They're like, we're gonna proclaim the truth. We're not gonna be part of this stuff. And we don't care if you even know. Oh, they're hearing everything we say. Go ahead and listen then. I don't care if you don't, I don't care. I don't care if this community knows that we call people that say they're an LGBT or Q or to repent because God has something better for them. I don't care if they know that. In fact, I hope they know that because the love of God would compel them and call them to turn from that and turn to the Lord and whatever other sin it is, other false doctrine keeping into the church. And I got verses there, it talks about, again, these Nebuchadnezzar tried to bring in a false doctrine and these scriptures that talk about avoiding these things, turning from these things, not having fellowship with these things. Number four, listen, Daniel spoke truth even when it could cost him. He told Nebuchadnezzar when he had, he set up a golden statue, you know, he had a dream and, and Daniel's before the king and he says, you gotta repent or you're gonna be driven out to the field. He told Belshazzar, the writing on the wall, you've been weighed in the balances and you're coming to an end. That could have cost him. He spoke the truth. Didn't matter what came up. He says, I'm gonna speak the truth. That's how he was even in the government high up, but he always spoke the truth. He didn't compromise it for the audience. He didn't compromise anything. Well, if I fudge the truth here, I'll get ahead. He spoke the truth. And what's crazy at every turn, these guys just got promotions. At every turn, the Lord just went before them. They weren't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need people speaking the truth and love today. I'll tell you, people get empowered when other people speak the truth. Revivals always start, you know, with a spark that brings a fire and it spreads. There's so, many, there's so many things out there right now that's such nonsense. And most people, a lot of people inwardly, they even know it is, but they're afraid to speak up. Well, let someone else say that because I don't want to be called A, B, C, or D. Who cares if a God hater calls you A, B, C, or D? Why are we so concerned with that? Person totally hates God, represents everything that's foul, and I'm not gonna say anything because I don't want them to say something about me and I might get counseled. No, actually, usually what happens is you'll probably first, but I'm gonna go over that business because they're willing to say something about this. Now, now, that might change down the road, but either way, we need to speak truth and stand out in this world and do it in love. Number five, listen, Daniel lived a life that was above reproach. And I encourage you guys to go through and read these verses. But in Daniel 6, they were trying to find a charge against Daniel and they searched his life and they couldn't find fault. It wasn't that he wasn't a sinner, he was, but he lived his life unto the Lord. And if he made errors and mistakes, he rectified them. He asked the Lord to forgive him, not just for the sins of the country. And so they tried to find fault in him and they couldn't. So again, remember they, they tricked Darius into making a law. If anyone praised anyone else than you for 30 days into the lion's den and he still went home and prayed. But he strived to live a life above reproach. Again, you know what? He honored the laws of the land that didn't cause him to sin. We're, we're not calling him to sin. He treated people well. He paid his bills on time. He didn't cheat on his taxes. He wasn't known as a liar, a cheater. He tipped well when he went out to eat. 
He mowed his lawn. It wasn't like, oh, what's going on here? He didn't buy porn at the adult bookstore and seen running around places like that. He didn't kick the neighbor's dog. He didn't swear like a sailor. So much of that today. Oh, we cuss in Jesus' name. And look, we're exploring grace and so forth. No, it's a stain on the body of Christ, dude. Quit talking like that. Well, I got freedom to you. You Use your freedom to praise the Lord, man. Why do we want to sound like the world? When we can represent Jesus Christ. Again, the list goes on and on, and they just couldn't find air in him. They couldn't easily find a fault. Again, it's not striving for the law. It's striving to say, I want to follow the Lord and do things the Lord's way. And oftentimes it will look like the harder way, but I'll tell you, it's always the best way. It's always the best way. And how do we do that? Mustering up on ourselves. No, draw near the Lord. Abide in him and you'll bear much fruit. Number six, and I know it's a scattered list here. I'm going through this here, but I'll give you a couple other things of how these guys were in the world, but not of it. Look, at they prayed a lot, and they prayed hard. <laughs> you see these guys praying throughout the book of Daniel. Again, when he was told he couldn't pray, he went home, opened his windows, prayed three times late like he always prayed, and guess what? God answered those prayers. He prays for the nation throughout, you know, at Daniel 7 through 12. You see great pictures of spiritual warfare, and we better be a people of prayer. The world doesn't pray. The world doesn't cry out to God. You want to be set apart? Be a man or woman of prayer. Be one in your prayer closet. Be one that's there at prayer meetings when you have opportunity to go. Don't make it a low priority. Make it a high priority. You want to represent the Lord and shine for the Lord? Get nearer to the Lord. Abound in it. There's so many exhortations. You want to come out of the world? Draw near to the Lord in prayer. And then finally, we see Daniel was a man of the word. We're either going to be people of the world or people of the word. Daniel understood that 70-year captivity because he was the word in Jeremiah. He talks there in Daniel 9 later about we haven't walked in the law of God or we haven't walked in the word. We need to prepent. Listen to Philippians 2, 14 down through um, 16. And we'll close on this. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault. Notice, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Notice, holding fast to the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Hold fast to the word of Christ in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. I will fast to the Lord. He is my God. I call to my God. I live for my God. I talk and I speak representing my God. I don't, I don't give room for th- these things over here. No, it's non-negotiable. I'm a fundamentalist. Yes, I want to love everyone. Yes, I want to be tactful. But I don't fudge the books on this stuff because if you start doing, you'll start getting sucked in. You stand your ground and you say, no, I ain't gonna go in. I'm gonna represent the Lord. I wanna be in. I wanna be around these people. I wanna be praying for these people. I want them to know I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of the Lord. And listen, that even puts more of an accountability on us. Are we gonna represent Christ? The world needs that desperately. They need people representing Jesus around them, living for the Lord, being willing to be set apart and not just going on with you know the program, oh, we just go along to get along. No, we ain't called to that. We've been called to go along with Jesus Christ. And that means I might not get along with everyone out there. But again, I don't want it to be because of my bad behavior. I want it to be that the Rome of Christ is either drawing them in or repelling them away. But I want to be in the world, but not of it. We've been called to that. Come out of her. Do we hear his voice tonight? It's pretty clear. Oh, Steve, you know what's that really mean? It's clear, come out from amongst her. Yet we've been called to be in. Heavenly Father, we praise you. Lord, we need your help here tonight, God, desperately. Help us, Lord, to draw near to you, to abound in you, God, to look to you. God, I pray that that we would have a growing love for you, your word, the work of the Spirit of God, prayer, worship, godly fellowship, using our gifts, sharing the gospel with the world around us. And God, I pray we'd have a growing hatred towards sin and just vileness and wickedness and Lord, all those things that just want to allure the flesh and come to steal, kill, and destroy. 
Lord, we, we don't want legalism, God. We haven't been called to that. That indeed promotes the flesh. But oh Lord, let us be a people that recognize we've been called to be set apart. Lord, that we'd wanna be vessels of honor. Lord, we understand we have a call to holiness and life's found there. Joy of the Lord's found there. And so Lord, help us in this. Lord, this, this, this call may be more challenging and difficult in this day than any other day, but I do know this, where sin abounds, grace aboundeth more. So abound your grace upon us, God. Tonight, if you don't know him, listen, we're sinners. It separates us from God. We talked about wrath tonight, but Jesus Christ bore our wrath on the cross. And if you call on him, you can receive salvation, forgiveness, call on your life to live for what matters, for the Lord and eternal things. The word says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I hope you've called on him. And if you haven't, call on him tonight, even now. We praise you, Lord. We give you glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.